Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. Good morning. Good morning. Be in the Lord's house today. Appreciate the prayer and introductory remarks. Wasn't that a good song service? Amen. I love the song service. I just thought about how great it's going to be when we are with the Lord, singing with all the saints of glory. And all the angels singing with us, isn't that going to be a wonderful time? How beautiful that's going to be. I just uh, It always makes you want to preach when you have a wonderful song service like that. I hope you'll pray for me. I re- was reminded of this little boy that was in the hardware store and he went up to the barrel of candy and he was trying to look over in there and he fell in. And he said, Lord, make my tongue worthy of this occasion. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what I feel right now. I pray the Lord will bless us this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. 2 Timothy 2 and 20. <clears throat> I was reading through the Scriptures the other day, and this verse just came out at me. <clears throat> and uh, I hadn't been able to get it off my mind. 2 Timothy 2 and 20. But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. I begin to uh, think about that verse and think about vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And I begin to think about a description of a person, a member of the church that is a vessel of honor, and of course, vessels of dishonor. I began to think about it and make a few notes and I said, Lord, I want to preach on something else. (laughs) And so I began to go through a catalog of things in my mind, of things that I I could preach about. Usually I could preach on election in my sleep, but this verse just kept coming at me. And I can tell you, if the Lord doesn't give you anything else, this is what you're going to be preaching on, or you're not going to have anything else. And so this is my subject this morning. So if there's anything that I say this morning that steps on anybody's toes, I hope you'll receive it in love, because I do love you. And that the Lord will bless us together as we go through looking at uh, this verse of Scripture. Obviously, it is a truth that's written by the Apostle Paul to a young man in the ministry whose name is Timothy. And let's take it apart first and consider what it means to be a member of God's great house. God's great house. God's church is a house. Uh, Paul does call it a great house. And the word great comes from the word megas. That's where we get the word mega. It means gigantic. God's house is made up of many, many people. They're not all in here this morning. They're in other places, and he has people all over the world. It's a mega church, and uh, it's got many kinds of family members. And he's telling Timothy here, there's different kinds of church members. Uh, Some will take the house and their family very seriously, and there are vessels of honor. Um, The word honor means esteem of the highest degree, and they deserve it to be vessels of honor, to be spoken of as vessels of honor. Uh, There's nothing wrong with expressing that, and it has to do with honesty, fairness, integrity, and one's belief and actions, high respect. And we hear of men of honor who serve in the military. They're men of honor who have given their lives 
for our country. They've sacrificed, made many sacrifices for our country and women of honor who have ministered and served in many places uh, as nurses and hospitals and places that they have served other people. They're honorable people. And um, the word honor is a large biblical subject in itself. If we wanted just to speak on the subject of honor, uh, one of the Ten Commandments um, says that Children are to honor their mother and their father, for it's the first commandment with promise. And the reason is because parents deserve to be honored for the sacrifices that they make for their children. And yet sadly, and there's a negative in this, I guess you could say, that there are vessels of dishonor that Paul is talking about. And he's saying, I think he's making a point to Timothy. Uh, Timothy, you're going to be a pastor of a church, and you need to know this, that there's going to be some members of your church that are going to be vessels of honor. But yet, sadly, there's going to be some members that are going to be members of dishonor. And that's, that's a truth uh, that he's making here. And refers to some as gold and silver. So some of your members are going to be uh, vessels of honor, gold and silver, very valuable, like when you go into the house and there's a gold or silver candlestick setting up on the mantle and everybody comes into the house and they see that beautiful uh, gold or silver candlestick. And then there's vessels of wood and of earth, a pot or something over on the, on the fireplace or something like that. And of course, we would know that the vessels of honor were of great value. Now, if every member of the church were a vessel of honor, if they were gold and silver, we wouldn't need, to have, we wouldn't need the law, would we? Or if everybody was a vessel of honor, we wouldn't need any rules of decorum to tell us that we're supposed to be in God's house and all of that. And so we do have those things before us, and we remind our church members of them. And unfortunately, I think that some think that uh, all there is to being a member of the church is just being baptized, and you're just on the same level, and you're on the same plane as everybody else if you're just baptized and you become a member of the church. But yet... The Apostle Paul is making it very clear that uh, that's not so, that there are vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor, and everything in between. So this is a great house. There are many blessings and benefits to be found in this house, even though it's made of many people. The blessings are great in this house, the things that we receive in this house. Marilyn and I talk many times about the blessings that God's house has been in our marriage, in our relationship. Uh, I did a funeral not too long ago, and a young man came up to me, and he said, you married us 15, 20 years ago. And he said, by God's grace and by being in this house, we're still together. <laughs> but we understand that being in God's house uh, is a great encouragement to us, but it, it helps us along the way to be the kind of people that we should be, to be the good husband a good wife, a good father, a good mother, a good citizens, uh, trying to be better people. And all this in the house includes our encouragement, security, fellowship, instruction in love. So it is a great house, and it's a wonderful house. It's a salvation from a dark and a lonely world to be among God's people, singing these songs and being involved. Like last night, it was great to be here. And uh, it was encouraging to see everybody there. We appreciate everybody that was here doing their part, cooking and cleaning and uh, just, you know, being a part of God's house, being those vessels that are very useful in God's house. Now, using Paul's term here, and we're going to use Paul's term here, um, what would make up 
a vessel of gold or silver. If I were to ask you to write a list of things that you, you would say in your own mind, that the Lord would look at you or look at a person and say, this is what we would find a vessel of gold or silver doing. And so I begin to write down all of these things. And so I've got about eight of them. We're going to go through them this morning, and you can take some notes if you want. And I hope that all of us will take some reflection on our own personal membership of the church, uh, how that we can be better members of the church and uh, encourage others in these disciplines of the church. And uh, the first one that I came, I thought about was that a golden vessel is a disciple of Christ. A disciple means that they are a pupil or a learner of Jesus Christ and his word, the way he lived and what the Bible has to say about everything. You know, we want to know what the word of, I think that's one of the great marks of one of God's children. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They want to know something from the word of God. They like to read the Bible. They love the Bible. You know, that's the greatest uh, members. Uh, they love the word of God. They're involved in it. They're reading it. They're absorbed in it. They meditate upon it. Uh, it's not something you have to, you know, talk about. They do it anyway. But yet, as pastors of the church, it is one of our duties to encourage the reading and study of the Word of God because we know it's good for you. We know it's health for you. We know it's a great blessing for you. Uh, uh, a young lady told me not too long ago that she was reading through the Bible and as she kept reading through it, and finally she came to this place and she said, man, I need to be a better wife. There's been some things that I've, I've been overlooking in my own relationship with my husband. And she got that out of being a student of God's Word and reading the Word of God. We always refer to the Ethiopian eunuch that was riding in the chariot and he was reading in the book Isaiah. And God commanded Philip to join himself to the chariot. And Philip asked the, young, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, Understandeth what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And so that's one of the reasons we come to church with a question and answer those things is uh, we want to guide you in your understanding of the Word of God. And it should be something that you have a desire for. You should desire, like the Ethiopian eunuch, to understand what the Word of God means. He wanted to know what it, who this man was in Isaiah 53. Is this man speak of himself or somebody else? He said, I want to know what this means. And you know people that read the Bible because they've got questions. You can't read the Bible without having questions. I have questions when I read the Bible. And so you should be having questions if you're reading the Scriptures and you're missing out on a great blessing in your life if you're not a student of God's Word. Uh, Brother Dan mentioned the uh, upper room where the Apostle Paul met with several of the uh, members of the church and they were, uh, the word preaching in that, Paul said, it says that Paul preached to them all night long. And if you look up the word preaching there, it means dialogue. He was back and forth with them. He was teaching them. They were asking questions. He was answering questions for them. That was the night that the young man Eutychus fell out the window and they went out and took him up and Paul took him up in his arms. And yeah, I'm sure it was a great blessing that the young man didn't die, but he was there and got involved in it. You know, he was listening to the older people talk. And that's a great blessing in God's house is when young people can hear the older people talk about the Scriptures. And it's good for people to talk about the Scriptures wherever we are because young people get a lot out of it. We, you know, we talk about other things. You don't have to just talk about the Scriptures. But I think sometimes we're too involved in you know, the affairs of life or whatever we do. And it would be better to be talking about the Scriptures and the young people could hear us talking about them. 
You remember what the Apostle Paul spoke about the Bereans, that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Paul preached to them and he was happy, very proud of them. But they searched the Scriptures to see if the things that he was teaching them were so. Now we would think that they would trust the Apostle Paul on anything that he said. But these, they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. He hadn't written his epistles yet in the New Testament. Uh, we receive them now as the inspired Word of God. We're not questioning the Apostle Paul. But that was in the early days of the church when many of the Jews became Christians. And so they were learning from the Apostle Paul. And they did search the Scriptures to see if, is that really in there? Paul would be, I'm sure he'd be talking about Jesus Christ and referring to an Old Testament passage of Scripture because that's all they had then. And, and they would, they'd never saw that in the Bible. They'd never recognized that that was Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53. And so they get their Scriptures out. Yes, that's what it's talking about. Paul is right. Uh, we should have seen that a long time ago. And so they searched the Scriptures. So uh, I think that's important. In Psalms 119, verse 140, David says, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Loving the Word of God is a very, very wonderful mark of discipleship, is a badge of discipleship, is that you love the Word of God. Now, I know sometimes when we're young, uh, we're not as interested in the Word of God as when we get older. Uh, mature people, mature Christians, most of the time are the ones that we find reading the Scriptures because they, they, they come to love it more and more as we get older. Uh, we, we love the Word of God more. And again, in Psalms 119, uh, David writes, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Now that's what I get out of it sometimes. I stand in awe of the things that I, I read it, and I, I can't believe what I just read. It's like God just said something to me personally. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading it, and, and that was the first in, uh, impulse I got when I first began to read the word of God when we became members of this church. I would be reading it, and it was like God had saved that very verse of Scripture for thousands of years just for me. Right. And He just spoke to me in a very special way, and it came to me with power. And you know when you're reading the Word of God and it comes to you in power that God has indeed spoken to you through that Word, even though you would not read it before, you have communication with the God that created the heaven and the earth. This is not a wonderful thing to know that He's speaking to your heart like that. Paul told Timothy, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation and doctrine. It's important for every minister of the Word of God who's a teacher to be a reader. Not just the Scriptures, but to read anything you can find that has to do with the Word of God. It's good to read other men's works. Uh, I like to read what other people have written and uh, know what they think about something and to get something out of it. Sometimes we get more bones than chicken, but you know, a lot of times we get a lot of chicken out of something somebody else has written. It's, it's nourishment for us. We gain a lot of points inside into a scripture. And uh, like Brother Rakes would say, sometimes you get this little nugget thing here and you can build upon that nugget and you got a sermon before you know it. It was something that I would have never thought about personally, but somebody else did. So reading is a great thing. Well, another thing about a vessel of gold and silver, uh, they're good people morally. They're good people. You know, I know the Bible says that there is none good, no, not one. But compared to God, there is none good, no, not one. But the Bible does say that there are some good people. Um, 
uh, it says that there was a man named Joseph in Luke 23, 50. Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. He was the man that took the body of Jesus Christ, wrapped it in linen, and carried it and placed it in the sepulcher. He was a good man, morally. And Barnabas in 11.24, it says that he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added to the church and unto the Lord because of him. Good people, vessels of gold and silver, they add to the church. And I've known some people that were really good people morally like this, but they really weren't that great students of God's Word. I mean, you know, they, they, were, they were very good but they didn't read as much as, as they could have, or maybe they were doing it and I didn't know about it. But uh, there's been a lot of people that may not be the greatest students of God's Word, but they're just good people, and uh, they do add to the church. Sometimes a person that's a good moral character, a good person, can add more people to the church than somebody that's a know-it-all, that knows everything. Uh, sometimes uh, know-it-alls can run people away by trying to tell everybody how much they know. But we've also known of people who were students of God's Word and knew a lot that were bankrupt morally. Uh, they knew things, even preachers knew a lot, but they were spiritually bankrupt. Think about Solomon. He wrote the Proverbs. Mm -hmm. He knew all of these witty sayings. He knew about what you're supposed to do. And what did he do? The Bible says he loved many strange women. He brought a reproach upon God's house, upon God's people, upon Israel uh, for the sins that he committed. He led his people to worship idols, but yet he knew all about the scriptures. And that tells us something, that you can know a lot about the Bible, you can read the Bible, you can know what the Bible says, but you may not be practicing it as you should be. Right. We can all do that. Well, another thing that um, I think if we were going to look at vessels of gold and silver is that we're faithful in attendance and on time for the services. Our worship service begins when the song service begins. That is when we begin to worship the God. Singing is a part of our worship service. And I'll tell you, if you miss a song service today, you miss something. Yeah. Because it was a great place to be. But that is part of being a vessel of gold and silver, is to be faithful for God's house. And so I was looking under this subject in some of my commentaries, and, of course, you can find stuff like that because unfaithfulness and attendance has been going on since the very beginning of the church. And so, uh, and it's also something that pastors are supposed to encourage their people to do, to be on time, to come to church. We encourage people to do that because we love you. And we know the blessing that you're going to receive in your life by doing that. So Spurgeon said this, and I'll read this to you. It's, it's not too long, but he said, I know there are some who say, well... I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church. And Spurgeon says, now why not? And the person says, because I can be a Christian without it. And Spurgeon says, are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient. And then he says, there is a brick. What is it made for? It's made to build a house. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it's just as good a brick while it's kicking about on the ground as it would be in the house. It is a good-for-nothing brick. So, you rolling stone Christians, I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the life which Christ would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury you do. Of course, he is referring to the passage of 
scripture that Peter wrote that we that the church is uh, also lively stones built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So we're all part of the building, aren't we? We're bricks in a wall, you might say. We're part of this church, but we're alive, and we all have a part in this building. So Spurgeon was right, and he was encouraging people attendance even back then in the 1800s. I don't think anybody can be right with their Heavenly Father and not be in God's house. Uh, that's about as easy as, as I can say it. If I stepped on your toes, I'm sorry, but that's, that, that's the truth. Uh, I was talking to a man not too long ago, and he was telling me, he said, well, I'm right with God. We're on good terms. He said, but I don't go to church anywhere. And I thought to myself, do you really believe that? You might be right with the devil, but you're not right with God if you're not in his house. And the interesting thing about this person is, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I think it's something that was actually going on in his life. He had just fallen. He was a golf teacher, and he had fallen, and a, a, a glass was in his hand. He cut his hand, and he could no longer swing a golf club. And then he lost his job. And I'm thinking, uh, you're telling me you're right with God, and everything in your life is falling apart, and you and God are on good terms. And he also said, I don't think it was God's will for me to lose my job. And I thought, well, I think God knows what's going on in your life. But you know, my friend, sometimes people's senses are numbed. The Lord can be dealing with us, and uh, we're like we're under some kind of uh, uh, drug or something that we, we don't really feel or know what's happening to us in our own lives, like Israel of old. God would be punishing Israel of old. And God would send a prophet to them and say, you need to stop this. And God would be dealing with them, taking away their land, taking away their crops. And it didn't even enter into their mind what was going on with them because of their disobedience to God. So some people, they also say it like this, that, well, it's my feelings, you know. I feel like I'm right with God. You know, sometimes our feelings are not right. Our feelings need to be based upon the Word of God. And so I came across this other quote of this person that was talking about feelings or faith. And he said, this was back in the 1800s as well, and he said, when crossing the Atlantic, I noticed that our steamer was furnished with two compasses. One was fixed to the deck where the man at the wheel could see it. The other compass was fastened halfway up one of the masts, and often a sailor would be seen climbing up to inspect it. I asked the captain, why do you have two compasses? He said, this is an iron vessel, and the compass on the deck is often affected by its surroundings. Such is not the case with the compass at the masthead. The one is above the influence. We steer by the compass above. In the voyage of life, we have two compasses. One is the compass of feeling, often sadly influenced by surroundings. The other is the compass of faith, above these influences and ever pointing true through storm and sunshine to the course marked out on the eternal chart, let us steer by the compass above. This is our compass right here. And we do well to heed what the Word of God has to say and not by our own personal feelings. And sometimes we talk about our heart. Sometimes your heart can be right. I know that. God gives us feelings. He gave us a heart. He changed our heart. But many times our heart can be deceived by the things of this world and even by emotions 
that we have around us. I'll give you the fourth point here. Vessels of gold and silver, they love our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. How could you be a vessel of gold or silver if you are not in love with the one who died for you upon the cross? They want to please him. Now, I do believe there are those who really love the Lord's church. They genuinely love the Lord's church, but they do not love the Lord's Christ. It's possible to have a love. I've known of people, I've known of preachers that love the church. But yet, when you thought about the person of Christ and spoke about him, they, they were lacking in their love for the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't mind saying this, that's sin and adultery. idolatry. If you love the church, but you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, that's like saying, I love my house, but I don't love the occupants in it. Uh, this is a house, it's a church, it's made up of God's people. We're supposed to love the Lord's people. The church is God's people, right? right. If you love the church, then you're saying, I love the people. Right. But you see, we're supposed to, and you might love the institution of the church. You might say, I've been going to this place, I love the way they do things, I like you know, the acapella singing, I like the way they run the church and this. But you might not really be in love with the person of Jesus Christ. I think many times people who stray from the church, that's the way that it started. They, they were with their parents, possibly. They went to church. They loved the church. But yet, so far as a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they were lacking in that. You can join the church and not join Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? And not have a, re a real relationship with Him and a great love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe people, if you really love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be here. You're going to want to be in his house and be with him, with his, with his family. Another thing I thought about when we're talking about vessels of gold and silver, I thought about Romans 16. Romans 16 is a directory of vessels of gold and silver. The Apostle Paul mentions names, by the way, in that chapter. And he, he mentions people that he knew personally. He'd been to Rome. He had preached at Rome. And, you know, if people hadn't been there, he wouldn't even know them to mention their names. But look at what some of these people did in Romans chapter 16. He commends Phoebe, who apparently had brought the letter to them, and receive her. He says, because she's been a succor of many and of myself also. She was a helper. She was a supporter. Uh, she held them up, encouraged the Apostle Paul. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers, in Jesus Christ, they've laid down their own nets for me. They probably found him out in prison and carried something to him. These are vessels of gold and silver. They had time. They cut time out of their personal life to minister to the Apostle Paul. There was also a salute Eponidas, who was the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. And these others, uh, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles. And then he goes on down through here, and he mentions many, many names of people that are vessels of gold that the Apostle Paul loved dearly, that he could call them by name because he knew them personally. Gold and silver vessels are also people who are given to prayer. They are praying people. They prayed before they came to church today. They prayed for the message. They prayed for 
what was going to occur here this morning. They're thinking about what's about to happen. They've got it on their minds and hearts. They want it to be a good place to come to. Um, Colossians 4 and 2, Paul says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. We are to continue in prayer as God's people. There's a lot of things to pray about, my friends. Things, Many things to pray about. And most of them are not about our own selves. They're about other people. They're about things that are more noble than our own selves. About the church of, of God. And about our fellowship, our love. What goes on in the house of God. Um, pray for your pastor, his family. For those who are sick, people cast down discouraged for many things. The Apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you have to always be verbally praying every second, but your mind can be in the attitude of prayer all the time. No matter what you're doing, you can be in the attitude of prayer and thinking about it. You can do it when you're working. You can do it when you're uh, enjoying yourself at whatever pleasure you're doing. Uh, you can be in the attitude of prayer. And that's something that I believe vessels of gold and silver. Jesus was a praying person. He was constantly calling upon His Father, speaking to Him. And that's what we're doing when we're praying. We're speaking to our Heavenly Father. We're in communication with Him uh, all the time. You don't have to have anything really fancy to say. You can just say, Lord, I love you. Uh, guide me this day. And uh, whatever's coming up in your mind, your thoughts, what you're worried about, what you're thinking about, where you're going, what you're doing, talk to him about it. Talk to him. He wants to hear from you. You know, he likes to hear from you. It's a blessing for him to hear from every one of his children. Just like you, you like to hear from your children, don't you? You like them to call you from time to time? You like to have a little conversation with them? Well, that's the way our Heavenly Father is with us. We get too formal in our prayer sometimes, but he wants to hear from us in our prayer. Vessels of gold and silver are givers. They support the church financially. We don't usually preach on money around here. Somebody's telling me the other day they went to church and here they passed the collection plate three times. <laughs> we don't have a collection plate. You know, if you want to give something, good. You should. You know, we got a plate here you can put in. You can put it in the thing in the hallway, but we're not going to beg anybody for money. You don't even have to pay me to preach. The first check I got for preaching, I gave it back. <laughs> Why would anybody pay me for that mess? <laughs> That's what I thought about when I got through preaching. <laughs> But anyway, I still remember what I preached on or tried to preach on. But I thought, you know, I'm doing something I love to do. And I'm going to get paid for it. <laughs> you know, but you should want to. You know, that's the way Jesus Christ taught it. He said, when you go somewhere, you know, take what they give you. Uh, it's a labor of love and, and it should be in the same respect so far as, you know, what you give to your pastor. It's a, you should be lovingly giving to your pastors, preachers to support the church, the life fixture, whatever goes on around here. You know, it, it costs something to do it. Um, there's three principles of giving that I'll give to you that you can think about. One is the first principle, sacrificial. Your giving should be sacrificial. That means it should cost you something. You should have to do without something in your personal life in your giving. Uh, it should be, and I'm not talking about a piece of bread. It should be something that you have to do without in your own personal life as you give. The widow in Luke 21 Jesus saw what she was giving. He knows, sees what you're giving. He knows what you have. Everybody has a percentage. <laughs> they have a certain amount. But he saw a certain widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offering of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. 
she gave, uh, some have said it was her whole month's salary or what she had for the month, and she had nothing else, nothing to eat, and that was what she gave because she loved the Lord. And he saw all the rich Pharisees throwing in of their abundance, and she threw in more than all of them because they didn't give that much so far as what they had. They just gave their overflow. They didn't have any sacrifice, and what they gave didn't really... They didn't have to do without anything for what they gave. Sacrificial is the first principle of giving. Cheerful is the second principle of giving. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. So when we give, we need to be thinking how wonderful it is that we can give something back to the God that has given us so much. Uh, we should be ashamed of ourselves if we're not. We think we're not going to give the Lord anything. Some people spend more on Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of those other things and to, so that they can watch American Idol and they can turn their idols on than they do on the house of God. And by the way, you should be giving far more than what you pay for all of that entertainment. Cheerfully, we should be giving to the Lord. And the third is consistent. We need to give at the same time every week or every month. They gave in the first day of the week in the Bible. That would be on Sunday. You can give once a month. Or whatever, you know, it needs to be something that we know what we're going to do. You pay your bills on time, don't you? You have the time you're going to write out your utility check, what time you're going to pay for this, what time you're going to pay for that. It should be the same in God's house. We should be giving consistently. Number eight, vessels of gold and silver follow the leadership of the church. In Hebrews 13 and 7, Paul says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Yes, the ministry prays for the people of the church, and it's joyful to pray for the vessels of gold and silver. They are encouragers. They help. They take care of the ministry. And we as members of the church should obey them. Those that have the rule over us. We obey the people over us at our workplace. We obey the managers. We obey the people. Um, we're children to obey their, their parents. There is an order in God's house and we are to obey that order. Christ is the head of the church. Under him are the pastors. Under them are the deacons. Under them are the members. That is the order of God's house. We all need to recognize that, know it, and respect it. I know of churches today that did not do that. They did not follow the leadership of the churches, and those churches are dead because they didn't follow the shepherd or the people that God had brought to them to preach and to teach them. Even when they are, we have to reprove and rebuke with all long-suffering and authority, which is something that has to be done from time to time. Finally, my last point, and that is, some of the vessels of wood and earth that are less honorable become vessels of gold and silver. You know, we don't all, we're not all static, are we? You might be a vessel of gold and silver today, and you might find yourself being a vessel of wood and earth tomorrow. By God's grace, we want to be the best we can in God's house, don't we? That's right. But there are a lot of people that have fallen away. But many of them come back. 
I think a lot of times this is true of young people that join the church early in their life. They get out in the world, they make some mistakes, they stray from the church. You know, it's easy to backslide. It's easy to uh, fall, fall away from God's house. I remember, I think it was uh, Elder, I'm trying to think of who preached this, but anyway, he was talking about a preacher went to visit somebody one time that had fallen away from the church. And there was a fireplace burning and he reached over with the tongs and pulled a, pulled a coal of fire out and set it on the hearth and that coal was red and it began to turn dark, began to turn black. And the church member looked over there and said, okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I need to get back in the fireplace. I need to get over there and get warm again. Amen. I need to become what I once was. Um, you know, um, we don't want to give up on anybody, do we? Amen. Uh, we want to keep praying for everybody. Your children, I, I pray for your children, some of your children. And, you know, we need to pray for each other's children that may have fallen away. This world is a dark and lonely place. That's right. And it's getting a lot of our kids, taking them from us, from our church, from our homes, from, from the truth. And we see them suffering. They're sad. And, and they don't know why they're sad. You know, they could be a lot happier if they had God's house and a place they could come to to fellowship with God's people and feel the fellowship of the saints and the presence of Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's continue to pray for all of them. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, Paul says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. We're all a family. We've got our responsibilities. We have different gifts that we're supposed to use in God's house. We are to be faithful in the, in the use of those duties. Whatever that gift you have, do it the best you can. Even Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This is where truth is found. What you are in the house, God knows. What you are as a member is before everybody. I hope that we'll be the best that we can. I thank you for your attention today. wonderful sermon. I appreciate that very much. That, that I like the encouraging part on the end that a uh, you know, vessels of wood and earth it's not a permanent state you're in, right? If you say, well I'm feeling, I, I heard that sermon, I'm feeling kind of earthy, kind of woody. <laughs> this doesn't have to be a permanent state. Uh, you can uh, get involved. It's as simple as just changing your behavior in these things and getting involved in the Lord's house and recognizing the blessings you've been missing out on. It's all good. It's all good if you sort of go along that path to transforming from wood and earth into gold and silver. And I think you'll find it's one of the most profitable endeavors you could ever engage in in this lifetime. Brother Sonny made mention of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. It's very important that you spend time with God's people. 
every one of us is different. And I can tell you that from the relationships I've built from, with each of you, the differences between you and me have taught me a lot of things. There's, there's things that I am deficient in. And I look in, at each of you and I see examples of things that I could be better in. And when I'm struggling with being better in those respects, I often call to mind my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's right. Um, Brother Leon's very patient. And I'm not always real patient. Sometimes when I feel myself becoming impatient, I think I'll be a little bit more like Brother Leon on this, on this thing. You know, the Bible tells you you should be patient. Um, and maybe that should be sufficient, right? So word of God, we should accept it or whatnot. But the Lord has provided something, uh, real testimony, lively stones that you're surrounded by. So that not only do you have the word of God reinforcing that that's how you ought to be, you've got people in your life and in the kingdom of God and in your church who you can look at and say, yeah, I see what that's like in practice. It's not just... The word just telling me I need to be more patient and I'm going to try to conjure it up. I can look at people's examples and say, that's what it looks like. That's a model for me. And it's, it's incredibly instructive. I remember when I was trying to learn how to play the guitar, I'd sit down and read books about it. And you can learn things that way, but it it's, it's, can be more difficult than if you have someone sitting there that says, oh, just do this. And you see it in practice and you say, oh, okay, that's what that... That's what all that text meant. So to have both of those is very, very helpful. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. These are all things, some of which were involved in just the early New Testament church. But you see there's a variety of different gifts out there. And if you're out there just wiling in the world, you're not... In the Lord's house, you're not participating in the kingdom of God. You're not availing yourself of all these other talents that the Lord has put in His kingdom that could be tremendously beneficial to you. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? He's like, different people have different things they're bringing to the table, and you can benefit from that by being part of the kingdom. Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. There is an, a heritage in the Lord's house. There is a real kingdom on this earth. It exists. We talk about the kingdom of God and you can come to church and say, well, kingdom, that's just one of those things they say at church. No, it's real. You're sitting in the midst of it right now. The kingdom of God is right here among the Lord's people. God dwells among us. When we are here together, when two or more are gathered in my name, the Lord Jesus Christ is here among us. Our King is here. We should gather together, appreciate the kingdom He's built here on earth, and avail ourselves of the benefits of being a citizen of that kingdom. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching from one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things that are so common in the religion of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.